You're a successful business owner or entrepreneur. You love it, but it consumes your entire day and sometimes your entire night. This is the Seven Figure Builder Show. It's a backstage pass to the minds of those who've already cracked the code. Welcome to the Seven Figure Builder Show. And now your host, Julie Baranek. Welcome to the Seven Figure Builder Show. My name is Julie Baranek, founder of Seven Figure Builder, where we help high achieving CEOs free up their time with gorgeous automations to scale their business to seven figures and beyond. And I'm here today with my friend Danara. How are you, Danara? I'm so good. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Absolutely. So for those that haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, for sure. So my name is Dinara and I actually am a women's health coach, but I'm also a podcaster just like yourself. And I'm also a TEDx speaker and I have um, had my business for over two years now. And I aim on helping women help them reconnect to their bodies by understanding the magic of their menstrual cycle. It's a bit of a mouthful, but everyone everyone with an active reproductive cycle needs this. So it's, it's been an amazing journey. That's awesome. Yeah. It's something you really can't get away from whether you try to or not. (laughs) Yeah. And I think you also try to ignore it for a very long time, just because societally sort of been told not so much to talk about it, but there's so much power to it once you really dig in. And it showed up both in my business, in my, in the way how I feel, also in the way how I look and in my friendships. And it truly has transformed my life. Wow. That's awesome. So how do you feel like your hormones play in with your everyday life? So the hormones are sort of the chemical messengers within our bodies and their entire job is just run across our body from gland to gland from our brain and to just kind of communicate different functions. It's like have more energy, ovulate, um, metabolize, whatever the functions that need to happen. But what um, the layer that I've sort of didn't quite realize is that our menstrual cycle as a woman is a very powerful um, sort of the the menstrual the ebbs and flows of the hormones that tend to happen throughout our menstrual cycle truly affect how we show up in the world. So it does affect our physical symptoms, things like how hungry we are. And I think most women would notice that a week before their period, this is the time when they desire to sweep up the pantry and just eat all the <laughs> chocolates. And then there's time in their cycles when they're like, wow, I'm so I'm able to keep up with my diets and eat my salads and then they sort of find out that it's not quite the same the entire the entire cycle and the same shows up in our energies there's time when we just have so much energy we eager to learn things we want to achieve things and then there are times when our energy turns inward and we sort of eager for that time alone. And in my business, what I have noticed, interestingly enough, around ovulation, which is about two weeks out of your period, is the time when I had higher revenue months, like higher revenue days, and like I would bring in more money. And then when I started to sort of track it and really dig deep into it, I've realized that it makes complete sense because it's around ovulation. For women, it's when we feel most outgoing. We're not afraid to take risks. We're not afraid to be more assertive. We're kind of more like likely to reach out and uh, pitch out ideas. And it was really interesting how my hormones really played the role, not only my physical symptoms, but also how I show up at work. So yeah, think- that's incredible. Mm-hmm. So I think so many of us, we've been dealing with our menstrual cycles our whole lives. Like you feel like all of what you described, we all experience, but you feel like it's out of your control. So what do you, what can we do about it? 
Well, that's exactly it. It's just feeling out of their control. And then if we really take it a layer deeper and ask, well, why do we feel out of control? And the reason being is because most of us grew up with the conversations around our period that were practically non-existent. Um, We didn't have as much sex education during school. It was very basic. So nobody really got us in touch with our bodies. And if anything, the messages that we got is um, just don't talk about it. It's just an uncomfortable time of your cycle. Therefore, you have to sort of live with it. And I think it's just this popular notion that your period is just supposed to be painful. It's just the experience that you go through. And it sort of presents this narrative that being a woman is like a diagnosis. <laughs> when in reality, it's it's absolutely unfair. And when you think about sort of the creation of the world, it wouldn't make sense that we were designed for 50% of us to struggle for X amount of days every single, every single month. So sort of the way that you deal with it is first of all understand what's happening with your bodies and actually kind of get curious because I think just like with everything it starts with awareness and understanding that your symptoms are actually within your control and you can absolutely improve them and your symptoms are sort of like the language of your body that if you do experience discomfort what that really means is something is off, like your nutrition might be off, you might be a little bit too stressed, maybe you're not moving enough, maybe your lifestyle is sedentary, maybe your relationships in life are the ones that drain you rather than fulfill you. So I think in general, female health is so holistic. And often when we go with problems to the doctors, we look, we're being looked as like separate pieces. If you have gut issues, you go to gastroenterologist. If you have gynecological issues, you go to gynecologist. None of them ever talk to each other. And then they all kind of tell women, yeah, this is not a problem. This is okay, which leads us to believe that, well, this is just in my head. And this is, and I think that's the narrative that throws so many of us off when the medical profession doesn't always give us the answers that we're looking for. Yeah. And a lot of times our hormones are out of whack. (laughs) So how does say PCOS play into what you're describing? So polycystic ovary syndrome is probably one of the most Yeah, I would say it's one of the most common symptoms among women. And there's so much interesting history as to why PCOS happens. But polycystic ovary syndrome, usually the common symptoms is when you your periods sort of, um, they become irregular, they longer than 35 days in cycle. But another um, significant symptom of it is that you have more androgens in your body. And androgens is uh, part of the hormone group, um, sort of the male hormone groups, as we usually know them, is part of testosterone, uh, testosterone hormonal group. So the excess androgens usually happens because of our diets, just to show how much our bodies is connected. So the root cause of PCOS in 90% of the cases is usually insulin resistance. And insulin resistance is driven by often our diets or excess stress. So a lot of processed foods, things like sugars, things like white flowers. And unfortunately, that is predominant diet for many people in Canada and US. And we also, we don't sit down and we eat meals. So we're just always on the rush. And the quickest thing to grab sometimes is those things that are not necessarily um, us healthy. So whenever our body becomes insulin resistant, our 
not to get too technical with you, but I'll kind of describe it in general. Whenever your um, ovaries produce hormones, usually produce sort of testosterone that then converts into estrogen, but with with excess insulin, it doesn't do the conversion. So therefore we have excess amount of androgens, which in turn interrupts with our ovulation, which in turns for women, it will cause things like irregular periods, sometimes unwanted hair growth, sometimes acne. And often the most common one is just gaining weight without um, being able to lose it. And with PCOS, unfortunately, when we go to the doctors, we hear things like just eat less and exercise more. And it's such a doing to women such a disservice because then women go and do that. And what that creates is just further disconnection from their body, terrible relationship with food, creates this fear around food as opposed to what they should be told is that um, you just need to control your blood sugar. And instead of eat less, eat actually more, but of foods like proteins, like vegetables, like fruits. And I've recovered many clients' cycles by changing their lifestyles and nutrition. That's incredibly helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we're also told, (laughs) I'll speak for myself because you're describing my life. So (laughs) 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 I'm very familiar with the subject. Um, But we're also told that, you know, exercise can negatively impact your weight loss. How do you find that plays in with with uh, PCOS? So with exercise, exercise is interesting because so much of exercise narrative has been you just need to exercise to get a good body. When in reality, exercise is incredibly useful for our bodies. It's good for our cardiovascular system. It's good for bone uh, bone density, joints. There's so many benefits. But what I do think, and this might be an unpopular opinion, is that exercise should not be used as a weight loss or sort of a weight gain tool. It should be used as a tool for health because exercise is so positive for our mental health. It's good for our confidence. And especially for women that go sort of, I want to say as early as after 35, because uh, this is when some women can go into this phase called perimenopause. So before a woman goes into menopause, when her cycles and periods stop altogether, she goes through a period of time that's about can be up to 10 years of perimenopause and all of those sort of scary symptoms that we hear of, that's when they take place. And if women pick up things like strength training and they begin to um, to exercise more, that transition will be so much easier because um, as we go through perimenopause for women specifically, predominantly is the hormone estrogen that usually gets that usually gets in decline, which is the hormone that keeps our bones healthy, our t- muscle tissue healthy. But as it begins to decline, we kind of feel it. We essentially not only do we feel it in our body, but also happens on the um, on the physical level. So having regular habits as exercise is really beneficial beneficial for your health. So when it comes to weight loss, however, um, for women specifically with PCOS, I think because they're told to lose weight and exercise more, we usually take it as cardio. And we usually think of things like if we sweat a lot, which is what cardio does, then we'll lose weight. When in reality for women with PCOS specifically, weightlifting has been shown to have such an incredible impact because it improves insulin uh, sensitivity. Because if you work up your muscle, it just sort of keeps uh, burning calories throughout the day. So as far as I wouldn't rely on exercise as a weight loss tool, but rather rely on as a health tool and then do more resistance training specifically if you're struggling with PCOS. 
That's very helpful. What about yeah. um, managing blood sugars? How do you find that, you know, that's the easiest way or best way for people to do that? Yeah, managing blood sugar is probably one of the key things that we need to do. And interestingly enough, there is up to, I want to say the number latest that I've read is 88% of people have some sort of metabolic dysfunction that's related to mismanaged blood sugar. And I think when we think about blood sugar, we often think about diabetics, but actually it's, it's so much more. And it's a lot of um, there's a lot of people that experience that are in pre-diabetic stage. They haven't quite been diagnosed yet, but their insulin is already getting to a stage of resistance. And I think the biggest things with blood sugar is if I can give sort of the best tip is just to eat breakfast. And there is this narrative that we heard about intermittent fasting and the rest and like, and it's became such a popular notion, but yet intermittent fasting for female body is just not uh, it's not beneficial. She can do like as a woman, you maybe can get away with it over the course in the first half of your cycle, because at that time, your metabolism is slower, your blood sugar is not as um, just your insulin levels are less sensitive. But in the second half of the cycle, as your hormonal cocktail of your body changes, you actually need to eat more um, more dense foods and you cannot be skipping meals and putting yourself into fasting for extended period of time. Because what happens when women put themselves into too long of a fast, anything over that's 12, 13 hours is it can produce, um, it will start putting your body into stress, sort of stress state. And then we have cortisol kick in. And when cortisol kicks in, it once again increases the blood sugar. So if the two tips that I can give for, um, for blood sugar is just introduce breakfast, but specifically savory breakfast, things like eggs or maybe Greek yogurt. And don't start your day with uh, with dessert, things like Kellogg, um, Kellogg, what is it? Uh, cereal, cereal is the word <laughs> I'm looking for. And like uh, croissants or sweet things and not having, not starting your day off um, with the foods that will spike your blood sugar, not only will keep your blood sugar levels managed, but also will give you more energy throughout the day. So that's the key. And the second one is managing your stress, because I think so many women are under so much stress on the regular. And unfortunately, um, when we stress, our blood sugar level rises as well. And sometimes that's the reason that stops women from actually being able to lose weight. So it just shows how intricately our bodies are connected. Absolutely. Yeah. And how does fruit play into that? Do you find that fruit will spike your sugar or it's easier to, to for our bodies to process? So fruit that we eat today is not the fruit that we used to have sort of back in the day. And even if you search like bananas that we used to have and bananas that we have now, they're just very different. Fruits used to contain a lot of fiber. Nowadays, fruits are mostly, they've been quite modified. So it's practically a dessert. It's incredibly sweet. So and it's kind of, it comes down to context and the choice. Would it be cake or a banana? Like if you're kind of choosing between those two, then I definitely think banana is a great choice. Having said that, I wouldn't, especially if you're struggling with PCOS or trying to manage your blood sugar, I wouldn't have fruit on an empty stomach first, like first thing in the morning. However, if you had like a bit of eggs, that's what I usually do and have a little bit of eggs, have my grain toast and avocado, and then I have a cup of fruit. I'm a massive fruit lover. And I, <laughs> and there's also a lot of vitamins. There's also a lot of fiber. So it's certainly better than just traditional sweets and chocolates. 
but I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't recommend just starting your day with a massive plate of fruit, specifically really sweet kind like bananas and kiwis, because it will spike blood sugar. But interestingly, what doesn't spike blood sugar is berries. So things like blueberries and strawberries, if you they're what's called low glycemic um, fruits. So they if you have those with yogurt, then that's and if you kind of need a bit of that sweet kick, that's perfect replacement. Nice. So how did you get into this whole realm? <laughs> what got yeah, you started? I think, I think how many people within health and wellness, they sort of get with their own uh, with their own bodies and the stuff that has gone on with them. In my particular case, I used to have incredibly painful periods in my early 20s to the point that I had to call an ambulance because I thought that it was my appendix that ruptured. Mm. And then when the ambulance came, they sort of looked at me. They're like, no, um, it's just your period. <laughs> and it's sort of like, and this is the notion that you live with, isn't it? Like, it's just my period. So that's why I'm just going to lay in bed curled <laughs> up. And <laughs> But it's like, it's normal. Everybody else does it and in my family my mom had painful periods my aunts my grandma so I just thought it's like runs in the family like like a disease so and never really questioning it and then going to the doctors after that incident the first thing that I was given is a birth control pill and birth control pill it's hard to judge sort of like for every woman, if it works for you, you should make the choice that is right for you. Yet I think what happens is often is we never given um, the side effects of birth control. And we're sort of given this, here's, if if a woman goes to a doctor and she says she's got some sort of gynecological issues, she's asked the question, do you want to get pregnant or not? And it doesn't matter what issue you have, whether it's PCOS, endometriosis, painful periods, heavy periods, the doctors will give you the pill. And yet the pill doesn't, it's kind of, it operates as a band-aid solution. It doesn't necessarily fix the problem. And in my case, it didn't fix painful periods either. What it did do, um, I was still with pain, but then I started to gain weight. I just, I'm not a very anxious person, but I developed anxiety and mood disorders. I just didn't feel like myself. So when I come off of the pill and try to get better solutions, I was once again offered the pill. And that's when I knew that I'm going to have to get to the bottom of it myself. And speaking to a friend, she sort of just randomly dropped in a conversation. Um, you know that periods aren't meant to be painful. And I was like, what? <laughs> and it's like, and it's just like this crazy fireworks. One of, what do you mean? She's like, yeah, I think you should look into it. And then I looked into it and then I discovered the menstrual cycle and how it's so much more than just the period. Because I think when we think about menstruation, we only think about period. And there's so much more that's happening. And it's actually supporting your entire body through the entire month is when um, is when you fix your period. Because period is kind of like a health report card at the end of your cycle. And if your period comes painless, no symptom, symptomless, then it's kind of like a receipt that you get from how you did you do over the month. And it's like, okay, you're good. Or if your period, if you miss it, if it comes with a lot of pain, then it's usually a sign that something is off. And for me, like I haven't had painful periods in a long time yet. The only time that I experience painful periods, and I think so is most of women, is around January, which is after Christmas. Because on Christmas, we tend to indulge. Sometimes it can be a very stressful time. So it shows in our cycles, which is why I think the wisdom of the female body, it's just, it's so untapped but it's so amazing. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think it's shifting our minds to really listen to our bodies and what it's trying to tell us versus like, oh, this month is just crappy. (laughs) Not really understanding why. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. 
So how much of what we do do you feel like is nature versus nurture? Hey, real quick, it's Julie. Do you feel like you need more clients to be truly profitable? The truth is you're bleeding money every month on countless subscriptions. You think you need more tools, but actually you need less. In fact, just one. Find out how much you could be saving and how you could boost your profit with my free expense eraser quiz. It takes less than two minutes and could save you literally thousands. Instead of explaining everything now, just go to redhotleadmachine.com slash quiz to take my free expense eraser quiz right now. Now back to the show. Um, so genetics load the gun and environment pulls the trigger. That's kind of how I like to look at it. And it's not a, not my quote. I don't remember who said it first, but there are genetic components to things that tend to happen that, um, that we, that's hereditary and that certain things that, um, that are not, that definitely depend on it. However, it's the environment. It's the one that our lifestyle that tends to affect the way that we lead, we lead our health. There isn't, I believe it was 23andMe, who is the genetics DNA company that um, they've sort of done a lot of DNA research and they actually found that people's health problems are primarily developed through lifestyle. And when we look at the preventable diseases, the number is around 80% of diseases that we experience today are actually preventable. And when we talk about preventable, then they're able to if we implement the right lifestyle choices, um, then we can avoid a lot of things, things like Alzheimer's, things like dementia that are the rates of which are rising, things like PCOS is at a higher rates than ever, thyroid issues for women is at a higher rates than ever. And I think it's very much correlates with our diet, um, just the nutrients that we're getting, how little time we have to actually enjoy our meals, the relationships that we build, the unhealthy relationship that we have with work. Um, a lot of that contributes to it. And like I've shared with you at the beginning, I used to live in Canada and I live in France now. And France is like lunches here is like sacred time. It's <laughs> that you get for an hour or two hours at, at like a sort of an average, like everybody gets off their computers, they all go like the restaurants are full. Um, like it's just, it's a very lunch is sacred. Like you don't, whether when I was living in Canada, like what lunch, like, did you bring your box quickly in front of the computer and keep going? And I do think that it affects just our relationship, both with food and also with our bodies. Food has become a commodity um, in, like I find for me, my experience in Canada, yet here, uh, the relationship to food is just so different. It's like the gastronomy, and that, we, we know that about France, like the gastronomy, the appreciation for ingredients, and you can really see it when you sort of look around people, people around you, they just a bit more relaxed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned about sitting at your desk and being stuck at your desk. What do you recommend for people to get out of their desk to, you know, increase their activity throughout the day? Well, I think that people should, for the most part, if I can get people go for walks um, just throughout the day or because walking is probably one of the most underrated exercises, actually also for weight loss, just because it tends to have this overall relaxing feel for us and walking even 
If you walk after a meal for about 10 to 15 minutes, your glucose levels, speaking of blood sugar, will stabilize and it'll just help so much. But yet I think often what we hear is that I don't have time, I'm so busy. But then if you, I kind of challenge people to look at their phone usage time, specifically on Instagram. And when you look, how much time do you scroll? Like we can get lost on our phones for 30 minutes, but it's at the end of the day, it's the choice that you're making. Are you, would you choose to go for a walk for 30 minutes? or scroll on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever the platform of your choice. So I think there is a bit of personal responsibility, but also like just having company cultures where the health and wellness, and I think it's happening where the health and wellness becomes a priority. Because I think if people would just walk for a very short 15, 20 minutes and actually just stand up, move a little bit, do a few stretches, they'll be more productive and we'll just in general have more energy but it's just the culture. If you see people around us not do it, it can be a bit complicated, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And you get so tied up in what you're doing. It's hard to take a break and step away from it, but you have to take yeah. those breaks. Just take those breaks and just being conscious. And then when you do it, I think the big key is like to celebrate yourself. And like, actually, when you do those 10, 15 minutes, because your body needs to know if you come out from the break and you're like, oh, I just wasted those 20 minutes, but like, okay, fine. As opposed to when you come out and you're like, yay good job me <laughs> and like you kind of you train your brain to like celebrate this moment and you're like wow I feel amazing you kind of have to like trick your brain loves doing things for reward so like as you give it a little bit of that boost and actually celebrating yourself is very much an expression of feminine energy and like as you give that to yourself and it's just you kind of need to make yourself feel a bit better until that becomes a habit until you do it so much that you're like I'm going to go for a walk because I just always feel so good. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so what would you say for you or for women in general is the most important part of your daily routine? For me, it's mornings and specifically just because I believe that the way that you start your mornings is a big, is how you, how you set your day. I have an extensive morning routine and I know it's not for everyone, but I always wake up and I, um, I always meditate for about you know, 15, 20 minutes, I have my water and I usually have, have lemon water and I add some pepper and turmeric in it. And the reason being is because it's highly anti-inflammatory. I recommend for all of you to, to try it, to see if you like it. And I do a little bit of yoga. I can finish my morning routine within 30 minutes. And it did it did take me a little while to establish those habits because sometimes I'd be like, no, I don't really want to. But I think after a point when you've done it so much, you get to a point when I'm like, if I didn't do meditation or I kind of skipped it, it feels weird. You're like, why, why, why did I skip it? And it's like, it's kind of, it became a habit. But I think another big one for me is actually doing thought work in the morning, because I think when we really think about it, what is the first thought that goes through your mind when you wake up? And for me, it used to be a lot of this self-hate towards my body. It's like, ah, oh, I just don't like the way I look. I'm so big. I don't have money. And like, if you wake up and these are the first, like, just catch yourself. What are the first thoughts that go through your mind? Because those are the sort of thoughts that will create um, kind of how you feel about yourself. And then you go with that into the day. And it's just, it doesn't really start at the place where it's, where it feels good. So for me, I'm, I'm very conscious of how I think. And if I do wake up with excess anxiety, I like to sort of offload my thoughts onto a piece of paper. So I can just be like, okay, separate myself a little bit from that. And you know, being an entrepreneur, the most important asset is your mindset, because if you don't have the right mindset, it's really difficult to stay on top of your game. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So for those that are listening that feel like they need more help or they need to do something more about what their situation is, what would you recommend for them? Well, um, if, um, I'm if I'm going to assume that it's for women, mm-hmm. uh, specifically if women feel like they need, I mean, I would, I would do an audit of your day. Are you, most importantly, n- nutrition and food is so important. And I would just kind of do an audit. Are you eating three meals a day? Are you having vegetables? I would say with every single meal. I do it with every single meal. It's not an, it's not an issue for me. And it really has created... Um, it just created a habit. Are you doing small things in your day that actually are benefiting you or in like just getting, getting honest with yourself. And then another big one is I think stress specifically not enough because we don't really have a real danger in our lives for most of us. It's a lot of our stress is perceived stress. So it's understanding what are the things that are, that are triggering me so much and start addressing it. And you can address it through thought work just to kind of question your thoughts. If you wake up in the, like, I think the statistic is 80% of women are stressed about money, whether they have an issue with money or they don't. And like, actually, if you're really stressing yourself over money talks and like you just driving yourself into oblivion and creating this overwhelm, I would just ask yourself, is this even true? Is the story that I'm telling myself true? Like how much do I actually have in my bank account? What's the, what's the fact here? Can I, if, if like things got really bad, can I remortgage my house? And I think the way that, and I know that it's not realistic for everybody, but the way the purpose of it is just to calm yourself down as opposed to just spin all day in trying to prevent yourself from going into like anxiety attacks over the things that are really not that, um, are really solvable. So, and I think it's just catching those perceived stressors. And some of the good tips is as simple as going for a walk and sometimes connecting with nature and being like, okay, drinking my water, I'm eating my vegetables, I'm walking and like adding them bits, bits at a time. For sure. Mm-hmm. And on that note, so if you had the attention of the whole world for five minutes, what would you tell them? I would, oh, I would tell them to track their menstrual cycles. <laughs> <laughs> I would tell them that you need to, there's so much, there's so much power in it just because I think specifically for women, we just been so disconnected from our body because of the conversations we had with our bodies, because of how much billions of dollars are being spent to ten out to tell us that we're not enough in one way or the other by this cream, by spandex, whatever that might be. We always it always comes from a place of not enoughness and with confusion in our body. With what are we doing wrong? And I think it's actually by understanding how your body does change and what a magic it goes through on a monthly basis, which can get, which you can get through by understanding your cycle is just, it will give you this much, this, like the women that I talk to, they're usually like, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. And I just <laughs> want to tell all the women, you're not crazy. And if you're experiencing things, it's, it's a good thing. Like, question it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so how can listeners uh, support you in your work? Where can we find you online? So I am pretty active on Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle is Dinara, which is my first name, D-I-N-A-R-A dot M-U-K-H. If you have any questions, do reach out. I'm happy to answer. And I also dive deeper into menstrual cycle, thought work and mindset on my podcast, which is called Feel Better, Be Better. So if you're interested to plug in, tune in. And if this messages are resonated, I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. And we'll have all the links below so women can track you down and follow more of your work. Well, thank, thank you, you so Dan- much. Yeah, totally. Thank you, Dinar, for being on today. I really appreciate it. This was very educational and really, really good to talk to you.
Thanks, Julie. Yeah, absolutely. And you can find me at sevenfigurebuilder.com and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. You've been listening to the Seven Figure Builder Show with Julie Baranek. Julie cut her teeth consulting for Fortune 500 companies worldwide. And now she's redirected that knowledge and power to support entrepreneurs like you. She focuses on relationship-based lead generation and the magic of podcasting. If you're looking to elevate your business through storytelling, branding, and efficient systems, well, you found your new home. It's what we do. If you enjoyed the show and got something from it, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Instagram at 7 Builder. Find the website at 7figurebuilder.com. And to learn how to automate your podcast with Julie, find that site at 7figurepodcastbuilder.com. See you next time on the 7 Figure Builder Show.